to see people where they were but where they are now and God wants to do that for you tonight see I would love to say well before I do anything I just want to say thank you to Pastor Scott and Christy thank you so much thank you for believing in us thank you for believing in this vision thank you for being our dearest friends you're not just family we're friends and so we just love you guys we love this church. This is home. But I think so many times since God is begin, beginning to give me open doors, you know, you, you want to be a certain type of preacher. You know, you have this concept. You have this idea of what you want to be. I want to be the kind of preacher that's just an ooh and ah kind of preacher. I want to be the kind of preacher that, you know, people just are on pins and needles. But no matter what I try, it's always, I'm always end up being an ouch preacher. The kind of preacher that says things and people go, that really hurt, but I really needed to hear it. And I want so badly, I would love to just be this funny person and everything, but in reality, what I've come tonight for is to sound an alarm. To sound an alarm. That there are alarms going off in our nation left and right. And we as a church just continually hit the snooze button. Say in five more minutes, God, five more minutes of self, five more minutes of self-indulgence, five more minutes of pleasure, five more minutes of me, five more minutes of just being able to sit back and not make a difference. And God is saying, hit this, don't hit the snooze button, turn it off. Get out of bed, wake up, get up on your feet, declare truth, set the stage for a miracle to happen in our nation. So I've come to sound the alarm tonight. I've come to let you know that there is more than what you have settled for. There is more than what you have seen when you look in the mirror. There is more to you than what you have accepted in this life. And I have come to share that with you because I want you to know all for months now, the one thing that I continually keep hearing, the one thing that I continually have coming into my spirit is God saying, tell them, tell everyone you meet, this is your now. This is your moment to make a difference, to stand up, to make your life count, 
to make it matter in our nation. See, I lived most of my life thinking that my life didn't matter. But God says, I've called you for a time, for a season, for this moment. Don't miss your moment. And so I want to share with you a message tonight called This Is Your Now. Everyone turn with me in your Bibles to Esther 4. And I know for so many people, I go and I speak at conferences, and I say turn to Esther, and immediately all the men in the room turn off. Because you think, great, she's going to preach a girl's message, she's going to preach a women's message, she's going to preach this, she's going to preach that. But let me tell you something, Esther is not about women. Esther is about the church waking up to its destiny. That is what the book of Esther is about. It is for men and women, it's for the body of Christ, it's to say, wake up. That is what this, that is what this scripture is about. But Esther 4.14 says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Let me tell you something, as a young girl, I used to read that scripture, and I love the book of Esther. And I would read that scripture because I thought she was so brave. And I thought, I wish I could be that type of person. But all through those years, I read that scripture. And I honestly thought it said merely, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. But that's not what it says. It says, perhaps you have come into this position for such a time as this. See, some of you came in tonight and you think, I don't want to be where I'm at today. I don't want to be in the job that I'm at. I don't want to be in the family that I'm at. I don't want to have this circumstance or this situation in my life. But God wants you to know tonight, perhaps you were put in that situation. Perhaps you were put in that family. Perhaps you were put in that job for such a time as this. See, it doesn't matter where you were born. It matters the position that God has put you in, and that is what counts. See, the remnant are those who stand in the worst of times. The remnant is the ones who stand when no one else will stand. They stand in the midst of adversity, in the midst of struggles and trials. They remain standing. That is what the remnant is. See, I want you to know tonight that the way you see your value will determine your approach to the king. The way you see your value will determine your approach. See, I know what it's like to approach the king. I know what it's like to go before the king. I know what it's like because I understand Esther. Because I understand growing up with my head down low, afraid to look anyone in the eye, afraid to, to look out, afraid, feeling insecure, feeling inadequate, feeling ashamed, feeling embarrassed, feeling like I didn't matter, feeling like I wasn't worth anything. But then God woke me up. But see, something happens when you walk into the presence of God with your head hung low. And that's where some of you were at tonight, when you walked through the doors and your head was hung low. But something happens when you begin to praise God and you begin to lift your hands up to heaven. And when your eyes begin to move from looking at the ground to looking at the heavens and you see the Father glance your direction because in his eyes, I don't see someone who is weak. 
In his eyes, I don't see someone who's a failure. In his eyes, I don't see someone who is lowly and embarrassed and ashamed and backward and awkward. In his eyes, I see someone that he says, you are a champion. You are a warrior. You are a warrior that's going to go and change the world. So you have to see yourself through the eyes of the king. You have to see yourself differently than the worldly mirrors that we look in. See, James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, we have to approach him with boldness. See, I have come to confront your purpose tonight. I have come to confront you because we are living in a nation that is so confused by who they really are. We don't know who we are anymore. And so we, I have come to confront the purpose that you have settled for. To confront, see, you were created for more than just to fill space, for more than just to exist, for more than just to occupy a, a little cubicle in an office somewhere. You were created for greatness. You were created for a purpose. The, Jesus declared in Luke 19 to occupy till I return. He didn't say just to crawl in a hole somewhere and just hope you can survive. He didn't say to crawl in a, a corner somewhere and say, well, maybe you'll make it through. He said, occupy. And what that means is to take the ground, to take the ground, to continually take it and not let the enemy have one little spot. He said, occupy till I return. See, have you ever asked a child what they want to be when they grow up? I love asking my daughter's friends what they want to be, what their, what their goals are and everything, because kids will always say, I want to be, I want to be a football player, I want to be a, a this, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a veterinarian. Every little girl wants to be a veterinarian. We've got so many upcoming veterinarians, it's just pathetic. But they have all of these things that they want to be. They want to be an actor, they want to be an actress, they want to be a brain surgeon, they want to be the president of the United States. Nothing is impossible to them. They can reach any goal. They see themselves soaring higher than anybody could ever imagine. As little child can tell you, they can be anything they set their hearts on. But something happens to us as we grow older. Something takes place in us. Life somehow teaches us that we can only do what the world thinks that we're possible and what we're capable of doing. Somehow along the way, we believe the lies of culture that says that we can only do what culture says we're allowed to do. That we're only allowed to say what, we're allowed, what they say that we're allowed to say. That we're al only allowed to go as high as what our family went or as high as what the generation before us went. That we can't break that barrier. See, somewhere along the way, someone told you that you weren't good enough, that you weren't pretty enough, that you weren't athletic enough, that you weren't talented enough, that you weren't gifted enough that you weren't smart enough. Somewhere along the way, someone told you that you can't do it, and we believe them. See, somewhere along the way, someone told you that you didn't come from the right family, that you didn't come from the right side of the tracks, that you don't have enough money, that you don't have enough prestige or enough connections. Somewhere along the way, we lose focus. But tonight, I say that we shatter the box. See, I truly believe that the devil's number one thing 
is that he can keep you locked in a prison of fear. But see, what I believe his biggest fear is, is that you will actually wake up tomorrow morning realizing exactly what you can accomplish in God, exactly what you can do, that you can accomplish anything, that God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine, and that he wants to do it through you. See, that's his biggest fear, because I believe that this remnant has decided at all costs that we do not want to be the generation that the next generation speaks of us as those who did not want to see the glory of God. See, I don't want to be that generation that they say our generation before us let us down. They let God die in America. See, I don't want that. See, it's time that we answered roll call. It's time that we throw our hands up and say, we're here. We're standing in the gap. That we're not shrinking back somewhere in a closet somewhere, but we are here. Let's answer roll call. Psalms 87, 6 says, God registers their names in his book. This one, this one, and this one. Born again right here. I'm here, God. I'm here, God. I'm here, God. Use me. See, he says, I register their name, and they stay right here. See, if I sound intense tonight, I'm always intense. But if I sound intense tonight, it's because we must awaken the cries of lost humanity. We must awaken to the hurting of the innocent and the lost hope permeating from a generation that is so desperately in need of an encounter with God. See, it's time that we stand up. And it will never happen as long as we stand on the sidelines licking our wounds and whispering about our scars. It will never happen as long as we stay curled up in a corner as a victim, as a victim to society, as a victim to culture, as a victim to our families, as a victim to the past, as a victim to shame. God says, your past is in the past. Leave it there and walk on. Walk forward. See, we have to declare, just like my husband always says, he says, devil, you didn't make me and you can't break me. I've been bought with a price. Take the for sale sign down. I'm not on the auction block any longer. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. I've been healed, delivered, and set on a new path and a new purpose. See, you were born for greatness, for a purpose. Your day of hiding is over. Your day of hiding is over. Attention all cave dwellers tonight. Alarms went off in hell the minute you walked through those back doors. And the enemy went screaming through hell saying, they're going to find out. They're going to hear the truth. They're going to find their destiny. They're going to find their purpose. Throw everything you've got at them because they're about to break out and break through and get their deliverance and their healing and their freedom tonight. See, the devil is afraid of what you might accomplish. See, today, I want you to know that you are on a journey with God. And the remnant doesn't mind seclusion because they know that it's where their strength comes from. Their peace comes from those secret encounters and those private glances from a heavenly father that looks down on them and says, I know your name. I know where you are. I know who you are. I know what you're walking through, and I'm walking through it with you. See, we're on a journey, and I want to take you on a journey tonight. I want to walk through a journey, and tonight our journey begins in Esther, in Esther 1, 4. 
I love Esther's journey because it all starts when we see the Jews are in exile. They're in exile in Persia, and they were carried there by King Neb or by Nebuchadnezzar. They were carried there by him. They were exiled to this land. But now the land is ruled by King Xerxes. And Xerxes was a party animal. He loved to party. He had everything you could ever imagine, and he was a party animal. He loved everything. He loved all of his riches. He loved himself. He was all about himself. He even threw a party that lasted for 180 days just for himself. He threw a party, and he loved to show off the splendor and the magnificence of his kingdom. He loved to show off the jewels, the gold and the silver and all the rubies and the diamonds and all of those things. He loved to show off his kingdom and all the things that he had. He loved to show it all off, even to the point of showing off his queen. And one day he told his servants to go get his queen. He said, tell her to come because I want to display her in front of all the party goers. Show them how beautiful she is. Show them how amazing, how blessed I am. But here was the problem. King, Queen Vashti, she had a mind of her own. And she said, I am not having it. I'm throwing a party for my girls over here already. I'm throwing my own party, and I'm not coming. So she said to tell the servants to go back and tell the king, it ain't happening. I am not showing up. You know what? I am partied out. I am tired of being on display. And it angered, and it so infuriated the king, and it humiliated him in front of his guests to the point where he banished her from the kingdom forever. See, talk about an ego. Talk about being so driven by public opinion that he was so worried, so swayed, so influenced by everyone else's opinion that he banishes his, king, his queen forever. See, no wonder everyone in the kingdom was so afraid of him, afraid to speak up, afraid to speak out against anything. See, but when all the partying subsided, when all the wine had wore off, when all the things around him, the party had come to an end and it began to calm down. He began to be lonely. He began, he, he sobered up, and he realized what he had done. He realized he missed having the queen in the castle. He missed having her around. He missed being able to talk with her, missed being able to hang out with her. And he went into a, a depression and discouragement and despair over what he had done because of the influence and the opinions of man. And he began to get discouraged. So here's what all of his generals did. Here's what all of his advisors did. All of his officials came up with this brilliant plan of how to cheer the king up. And they went to him and they said, King, we have got an amazing idea. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to throw the biggest, greatest, most elaborate, most amazing beauty pageant you have ever seen. And we are going to find you another queen. We are going to find you a queen that is so much better than Queen Vashti. And so they all decided and suggested finding the most beautiful girl in the kingdom, having all the available girls in the kingdom to be brought before the king so that he can pick the most beautiful girl to be his queen instead of Vashti. See, I love it because, you know what, we think in today's society that we have come up with the greatest plans. We think that we have come up with all these newest ideas. But this right here, this was the very first episode, season one of The Bachelor. 
This was the very beginning of reality TV right here. And they chose and they said, we're going to bring all the eligible women for the king to choose his wife from. But what they didn't know was among those beautiful women was a beautiful young orphan girl named Esther. See, I want you to know that your plans that God has for you have been destined for you since the very beginning. See, you may not understand your circumstances, but God has a plan for your life. You have to trust him. See, but Esther was a Jew, and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. And Mordecai, through her whole life, had just told her, he said, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you, who you talk to, do not tell anyone that you are a Jew. Keep it a secret that you are a Jew. Because, see, Esther wasn't like any other girl in the kingdom. I mean, can you imagine? Go with me to the marketplace. See, I love to envision the stories in the Bible in my mind and be able to walk through and envision what's going. Go with me to the marketplace. Esther wasn't like all the other girls. Esther had had a rough life. She wasn't privileged. She didn't have a privileged mentality. She didn't have a mentality of someone owes me something. She had had to work hard her whole entire life. See, in fact, the only reason that she was even in the kingdom is because her people had been exiled there. They were slaves in the kingdom. They were, had been exiled. They, her people were hated by everyone. She was, the Jews were truly the very first people to really be hated. She was a true victim of racism. See, she was a victim in her land. People looked at her differently when she walked through the marketplace. People looked at her differently when she came. She had no pedigree. She had no inheritance. She had nothing. She had nobody. She just was there. See, you think that you have been forgotten. You think that you are a, a waste of space. You think that you have been exiled to this lonely place in your life, but God says, I am getting you ready. I am preparing you for a miracle to take place in your life, and you need to hold on because your miracle is right around the corner. See, but in the midst of all the racism, in the, in the midst of all of those things, racism was not her biggest concern. See, Esther had been made an orphan at a very young age. She had lost both parents. I mean, losing one parent would be bad enough, but she lost both parents. She was all alone and had to be taken care of by her cousin. See, she had no dad like my daughter has who can walk by her bedroom, who always walks by her bedroom at night and looks into the door and tells her, says, Abby, you are a princess and you are a champion. You can change the world. God is calling you to greatness. You're going to make a difference. She didn't have a mom that could tell her how to make herself be beautiful on the inside and the out. She didn't have a mom that could look at her and say, you are better than that. You deserve better than that. She didn't have a mom that can teach her how to be a powerful woman of God, full of destiny and full of purpose. She just had to figure it out on her own. She just had to fumble through on her own. She just had to walk it all by herself. But at the same time, she was a Jew, God's chosen people. See, there's something you need to know tonight. You are chosen. You are chosen. You weren't forgotten. 
you were chosen tonight. But see, then all of a sudden, the king ordered a royal decree that came down that day that girls from all over the kingdom would be chosen as possible potential queens based on their beauty. See, everyone wanted their daughters to be picked. I mean, wouldn't you want your daughter to be picked and go and live with a man that she doesn't know? I mean, hello. Everybody wanted their daughters to be picked. They wanted them to be chosen because they knew that if their daughter was chosen out of the hundreds and thousands of girls in the kingdom, that their family would be taken care of forever. If their daughter was chosen, they would have a seat at the king's table. If their daughter was chosen, they would be royalty, and they wanted their daughters to be chosen. But see, I'm sure that Esther didn't even give it a second thought. I'm sure Esther didn't think that she could ever be chosen. Maybe she was just walking through the kingdom that day. Maybe she was just walking through the marketplace, picking up groceries for Mordecai, picking up some things for the family. And there she was. The edict, the, the royal decree had come through, and she was walking through the marketplace, looking in all the shop windows. And there, every girl that was anybody, every girl that had money, every girl that came from a high society family was in the beauty salons, in the hair salons, in the nail salons. They were in Kleinfeld saying yes to the dress for the day to be chosen. They were all there being made up being made over but there was Esther in her rags just walking through the marketplace never even thinking that they would even look her way no chance of ever being noticed she felt unqualified she felt dismissed she felt like she was invisible she felt like she didn't belong she felt like she didn't belong in the kingdom she didn't belong with the other girls she didn't belong anywhere but what she didn't realize is that she had already been chosen she had already been noticed she had already been picked out and god has already picked you he has already chose you he has already set you up for a miracle but some of you have felt disqualified from the very beginning. Since the start, you have felt disqualified. Like somehow life has dealt you a bad hand. That you got the short end of the stick somehow. You have always felt that way. Some of you feel like you could never amount to anything because of where you come from, the family you come from. Or because you don't have enough money or you don't have enough this. But it doesn't matter. Because God provides everything you need to accomplish everything he's ever asked you to do. And he instills in you, because what? no matter where you come from, no matter where you were, no matter what has happened to you, your past does not dictate your future. God has destined you for greatness. See, God is awakening the unqualified remnant. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.26. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. See, God is saying, I don't care about you past. I don't care about the house you live in. I don't care about the car you drive in. What I care about is your heart. What I care about is your life. What I care about is your destiny. What I care about is your purpose. Open your eyes. 
See, I wonder if Esther had even thought it was possible. But all of a sudden, the day came for the girls to be chosen. And here is what happened to Esther. There was a man named Haggai that saw her in the crowd because every girl was commanded to be there. And he saw her at the very back of the crowd with her head down low. And she was standing there just waiting for it to be over, waiting for the time to come where she could just go home and do her chores. And this man saw her and he said, there is a woman that is going to change the world. And he said, I am going to give her favor. And she was taken from the back of the line, and she was put in the front of the line. See, some of you feel like that you're always in the back of the line, and God says, I am going to give you favor to push you back to the front of the line where you belong. But so many times we think it's about us, and God says, I'm giving you favor to change the world. I'm giving you favor to change your family. I'm giving you favor to set a new heritage for your family, to set your kids on a new path. I'm giving you favor not to give you more money, not to give you a better house, not to give you a better car. I'm giving you favor to set free the captives that are in your lineage. That's what I'm giving favor for. See, she was immediately noticed, and out of nowhere, she was chosen. But what she didn't know was she was being chosen to be the remnant. To be the remnant. I love it. Romans, it's our scripture that we stand on. Romans 11.5 says, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. And you are chosen by grace tonight. America needs a remnant to stand up. America needs a remnant to rise and to make themselves known and to take their place. See, when the king finally sees her, He's walking down the line. They're all lined up, and he's walking down, and he stops in his tracks, and he sees her, and he holds out that one single rose that says it all. And he instantly falls in love with her. The Bible says in Esther 2 that the king was attracted to Esther more than any other woman, and she won his favor more than any other girl in the kingdom. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. And he proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. Can you believe that? He proclaimed a royal holiday for her. I need my husband to do that. Can y'all make that happen? <laughs> he decreed a royal holiday for her. See, I'm sure Esther wasn't expecting all the fuss. I'm sure she wasn't expecting all the attention and all the celebration on her behalf. I'm sure she felt awkward and didn't know how to respond to it. She didn't know what to do because the remnant consists of those who feel like failures who are the fatherless, who are the forgotten, who are the freedom fighters, whose pedigree is that of a scarred savior. See, she was a nobody. She was nobody, and they chose her, but now she was living the dream. Now her family had a place at the king's table. They were considered royalty, and even by verse 21, it says that her cousin Mordecai even exposed a plot by two of the king's generals to have the king killed, and Mordecai went and told Esther, and Esther told the king, and he had the two generals killed, and Mordecai was elevated 
to a high-ranking position in the kingdom. See, things were looking up for Esther. She was living out this dream. Life was good. She had went from living on the wrong side of the tracks to living in the palace, from the pit to the palace. She was living high on everything. She was just, everything had changed in her life from the wrong side of the tracks. It was a Cinderella story. See, listen to me. You better realize that where you're at now is for a bigger purpose than what you have settled for. See, you have to realize that it's bigger than what you have seen. It's bigger than what you've experienced in the past. It's bigger than what you could even understand or comprehend because your current circumstances are not your final destination. Where you are is not where you're going. It's time to hold on because we're not there yet. We, what you've been through is a great indication of who you're called through. And Philippians 3 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, forgetting the pain, forgetting the abuse, forgetting the hate, forgetting the distractions, forgetting the, all the shame. You know what? One thing I do, I forget about yesterday and I press through to be who I am called to be because what you did to me back there does not dictate who God says that I am. I am a child of God. See, I understand that because I was a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer in every sense of the word. See, I spent my early life hiding. I spent my early life hiding from conflict, hiding from crowds, hiding from confrontation, hiding from the spotlight. I was scared to step up. I was scared to step out, scared to speak up, scared to speak out. I was just scared. I would freeze up and panic in front of a crowd. But let me tell you something. Isn't it ironic that the enemy wanted to silence the one thing that I would use to bring the most glory to God? My voice. See, I want you to know your voice matters. Your voice counts. And God has a destiny for you. See, if you had told me when I was 16 years old what I would be doing today, I would have said, what, are you crazy? Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? Do you know where I came from? If you had told me back then that I would be boarding a plane next Thursday to go to Brazil and to speak on the love and the freedom that God has for 15 to 20,000 women, I would have said, you're crazy. And I would have said, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're obviously trying to deliver mail to the wrong household, return to sender. But let me tell you something. God was able to reach into my darkness. He was able to reach into my silence. He was able to reach into those areas that no one had ever tapped into. And he was able to say, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out of the darkness. I'm calling you out of the silence. There is more to you than what you have accepted. There is more. And I see it in you. See, he's calling you out tonight. See, I have found that there are moments where your destiny ignores your perception of self. Moments where God the Father says there is more to you than meets the eye. 
See, but for now, I'm going to blind everyone else to it so that I can have you all to myself. I'm going to have you all to myself to prepare you, to develop in you a well-formed maturity so that you can handle what I am calling you to do. See, for now, I will keep you hidden until your time and your moment present itself. And let me tell you something. Tonight is your now. Tonight is your moment. See, I love it. I looked up what Esther meant. And Esther's biblical name literally means secret or hidden. But her American translation of her name means star. But she was also known by the name Hadassah. And that name means righteous. So what some of you need to know is God has been hiding in secret his righteous stars who are going to shine so bright that it's going to transform a generation. See, you have been hidden because God has been developing in you what you need to shine the light for the next generation. You have been hidden, but now you are being brought into the light to be the stars for God to direct people through the darkness. See, what you call hidden God calls preparation. See, to be hidden by God is a compliment of his selfish love as a father. I spent so many of my years hidden, but God will hide in you, and God will hide you in what you consider the inhabitable regions of life to prepare you for the stage in the arena God is having built for you. See, God wants you to know that in the midst of everything and you feel hidden and you feel lost, you are actually his secret weapon against the enemy. You are his secret weapon that he is bringing out the arsenal in our time, in our generation. The remnant is going to rise and it is a secret arsenal that is going to stand up and bring the enemy to his knees because we are going to declare truth once again. See, Psalms 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. See, but the thing you have to remember is if you're not careful, your own fear will be your biggest hindrance to your breakthrough. But there must be those who will declare, I was placed here for more. Your cry and your destiny cries out, there has got to be more. God is not looking for the most qualified. He's not looking for the most gifted. He's not looking for the ones with the most money or the most talents or the most anything. What he's looking for is one thing, availability. He's looking for those who will rise up and say, I'm here. I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. He's looking for those that everyone else looked over, who everyone else passed by. He's looking for those that everyone said, you're not good enough, and he said, you're just the right person. See, Ephesians 3 says, this is my life work, helping people understand and respond to the message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details, I love this. See, when it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. See, there was no reason for Esther to be chosen. There was no reason for them to notice her. See, there is going to be a moment in your life where your normal becomes yesterday's news clippings. 
see, you need to come to a point where you can shout, this is my now. This is my moment. Somebody shout it. This is my now. See, we have, we must awaken the warrior within us. See, I recently had a, a picture, a big wooden picture made above my daughter's bed. There it is. And it's all it says is awaken the warrior within you. Because let me tell you something, there's some of you who have walked through some hard times. My daughter has overcome incredible obstacles in her life. She has come from a place of being in a distant land to a place of having an, a huge and amazing and a powerful destiny. And I want her to know that you are not a victim, my darling. You are not a victim to nothing. God has set you up for a miracle. He has set you up for a destiny. And when you wake up in the morning and the sunlight from God Almighty comes shining through your window, I want you to look up and say, there is a warrior inside of me, and I am going to defeat the enemy today. See, God has a plan for your life, and we must awaken it. But here's my concern. My greatest concern for this generation is that we have decided that God is just a party atmosphere and a youth service, while the threat of spiritual holocaust creeps at the door of this generation. See, where are those who get offended at people going to hell? Where are those who hear the cries of the lost and the weeping of the angels? See, where are those who wake up in the night hearing the screams of the ones that we have missed and lost? Where are those that realize that the flattering communication by life coaches who have lost their appetite for altars is causing the church to fall asleep at their infomercials? We must choose sides there's no more neutral ground there's no more playing neutral see matthew 12 says this is war and there is no neutral ground if you're not on my side you're the enemy if you're not helping you're making things worse your silence enables the enemy see the remnant is the ones who have stepped up when the most qualified have decided to lay down you are the remnant. There is a void that must be filled. There is a void that we were called to come in and fill. See, I want you to know when leaders would rather dumb down potential warriors with Christian slogans, shallow grace messages, and meaningless hype, rather than arm them with the power to rise up and lead a Holy Spirit revolution, we have turned this generation over to the God of this world. This generation is in need of someone who has made up their mind. I will die with nothing left to do. I will get to heaven having done everything God has called me to do. Someone who will realize I was born for something bigger than me. I'll stop taking the selfies. I'll stop looking in the mirror. I'll stop looking at me, me, me. And I'll say there's a bigger picture than just me. It's not about me. And that's where Esther had to come to because one day King Xerxes elevates an evil man named Haman. Haman hated the Jews. He hated the Jews. And he was an egomaniac and narcissistic man. He demanded that everyone had to bow to him as he walked through the kingdom. He wanted everyone just to bow to him, and he hated the Jews. And so when he would walk by, here's the problem. Esther's cousin Mordecai decided, I am not bowing to that man. Because the problem was that the Jews had decided that they would bow to no one 
but God. See, where are the people in our generation? Where are the people in America who will bow only to God, who will stop bowing to culture, who will stop giving in to what culture says is normal, who will stop giving in to what culture declares that we have to do? Where are the people who will only bow to God? But they wouldn't bow, and Haman became furious, enraged that Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. And so he goes to the king, and this is what he says. He said, King, the Jews are an evil, wretched, rebellious people. They won't do anything. They won't obey the rules. They won't obey the royal decrees of the kingdom. They're just rebellious. If you will allow me to, king, because I just want to serve. If you will allow me to, I will wipe them off the face of the earth. I will rid our kingdom of these rebellious people. And you know what I'll do? I'll even throw $10,000 of my own money into the royal treasury if you'll let me do it because, you know, I'm a servant. And he just went and he appeased the king's ego that he'll get rid of the people who are rebellious. And the king looked at him, and he took off his signet ring, and he handed it to him. And he said, Haman, you can go, and you can do whatever you want with these people. And you know what? Just keep your money. I don't want your money. Just do what you want with the people. And so the king's men went through the land, declaring that all the Jews must die on the 13th day of the month. And it sent weeping and wailing throughout all of the kingdom. And all the Jews were weeping, including Mordecai. Mordecai went to the king's gate, and he was in sackcloth and ashes, and he was wailing and he was weeping. And some of Esther's servants came and said, Girl, your cousin is embarrassing us out by the gate. You need to find out what's going on. And so she sent, and he sent word, and he said to her, He said, Esther, you need to talk to the king. And she said, I can't. I can't. I'll die if I go before the king. And she sends back word that if she approached the king, her life would be in danger. See, she missed the mark. And this is what she said. She said, everyone in the kingdom knows for any man or woman to approach the king in his inner chamber without being summoned, there is but one law, and that's that they be put to death. Unless he extends the scepter to them and spares their life. But here's the deal. He has not even spoke to me in 30 days. He hasn't called me in 30 days. I don't know if we even have relationship anymore. He hasn't even talked to me. See, Esther hesitated. She almost missed her moment. And I want you to know there have been so many times in my life where I had an opportunity to stand up. I had an opportunity to take a stand, and I hesitated, and I missed my moment. And God is saying, you're facing some moments today. You're facing some moments with your family with your marriage, in your finances. You're facing moments in our, in our generation, in culture. And God is saying, why are you hesitating? Why are you missing the moment? She didn't realize that it wasn't about her. It was about the masses. It was about the lost. It was about the hurting. And Mordecai sends back word to her. He says, girl, you need to wake up because this ain't about you. He said, and you're going to be next. No one is exempt. See, listen to me. You have got to realize that nothing happens by chance. You will never awaken to your now until your tomorrow is in danger. 
Revelation 3 says, up on your feet. Take a deep breath. Maybe there's life in you yet, but I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. Nothing if God's work has been completed. Your condition is desperate. Think of the gift you once had, the message you heard with your ears, and grasp it again and turn back to God. See, biblical truth is under attack. We've got to wake up because Remnant realizes that the culture is not, but they don't bow to culture, but realize that culture is redefined by their pursuit of God and their passion for Jesus. See, you are not here by chance. You are not an oops. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are here for a purpose. See, Job 15 says that your days have been ordained. Psalms 139 says all your days have been ordained from the very beginning. See, I love 1 Samuel 17. I'm reminded of David when he was sitting by the fire listening to the roar of Goliath throwing insults at God's people. And he looked around the fire at his brothers and all the mighty warriors that are sitting there cowering in fear. And he looked across the table and he, or across the fire and he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause today? When we have attacks in Brussels and Paris and all across our nation and we're looking at the, the attacks from culture, when we're debating whether it's okay to let our children be in bathrooms with people that might hurt them, when that's the biggest thing we're talking about, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause today for you to stand up? See, don't you realize you were born for this moment? See, Mordecai tells Esther, if you keep quiet, then deliverance will rise up from somewhere else, but you and your household will be lost. So you've got to rise up. And in that moment, she, something clicked in her. And she said, go and gather all the Jews and fast for me. Fast and pray, and I'll do the same. See, but the reason she said fast and pray for me is because there comes a moment in your life where you have to realize that your feet will never possess. You will never possess in, with your feet where you have not already conquered in your spirit. You have to conquer it in the spirit. And she went and she fasted and she prayed. And here's what she said back. She said to Mordecai, if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. When was the last time you looked across the table at your kids and you said, you're worth it to me. If I die fighting this fight, I'm going to die fighting this fight. But I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I'm not giving up on my health. I'm not giving up on my family. I'm not giving up on America. If I die, I die. But I'm going down with a fight. If I die, see, I love this. Esther woke up to her moment. She woke up to what she was created for. She didn't use it as a selfie moment. She didn't use it as a me moment. See, the Jews were going to be exterminated. And she understood that her life was nothing compared to eternity. The people were worth her going to battle for. See, your now is calling. Will you answer the call or simply stand by idly while we lose more ground to hell? See, we live in a time where we're making bad deals with Iran. We're doing the tango with communist dictators. We're doing all of this stuff. And God is saying, will you not stand up? Will you not declare truth? Will you not stand up for lost humanity? See, I'm reminded of World War II when Hitler was conquering the world. And, 
And during that time, in 1938, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain went and he made a treaty with Hitler called the Munich Agreement. And afterwards, after it was secured, Chamberlain went back and he declared, I have secured peace in our time. But reality was he had chose to appease Hitler. And ironically, less than a year later, after the agreement, Hitler's continued aggression and invasion of Poland was followed by a declaration of war on Germany by France and the United Kingdom. It was known as the greatest blunder in history, all because we decided we could appease evil. Do you not think we are appeasing evil in our time? Do you not think that we are trying to appease the enemy in our time instead of rising up with our swords and saying, I'm ready to fight in the spirit. I'm ready to go to battle. I'm ready to go to war. Devil, you may attack my family, but you're going to be faced with a powerful, God-fearing, God-loving, mighty woman and God uh, that's going to beat you at the door and declare freedom for the family. See, I love the quote by Eli Weasel, famed Holocaust survivor. I love it. He said, we must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said this. He said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. We are being silent about what matters. We are not choosing our battles wisely. We are remaining silent in times of war, and we are being loud in times that don't matter. God said, choose your battles. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Don't give the enemy any ground. Wake up. This is your moment. See, the door is open to you tonight. See, you've been afraid to approach the king. You've been afraid to go into the inner chamber. But God says the door is open to you. I'm giving you access. The king awaits you. I've come to declare that your door is open. Petition the king. We must allow the remnant to rise. Revelation 3.8 says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed you before an open door that no man can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. See, Esther had a now moment. Esther would stare in the face of death, but she knew she had to do something. She knew she had to approach the king. Watch this video.
there will always be mockers in your life who say you don't belong there. There will always be people in your life who say you don't deserve to be there. But God is extending the scepter, and that's what he did. He extended the scepter to Esther, and in that moment, he says to her, he says, what do you want from me? He says, up to half my kingdom, I will give it to you. See, we're so afraid to go before the king, but all the while, he's standing there saying, just tell me what you want. I've already given it to you. Just tell me what you want. Petition me. Lay your request out before me, and I will give it to you. See, and she looks at the king in that moment because she realized she wasn't there for herself. And she said, all I want is to throw a banquet for you and Haman. And Haman was so arrogant. And he bragged to his family that the queen had invited only him and the king to a banquet. And in that banquet, his plans began to unravel as she revealed the plot that he had to kill the Jews. And she said, and she told the king the entire plot that he had. And then she looked at the king and she said, and those are my people. Those are my family. Those are my relatives. Those are the people that I came from. See, the enemy is threatening your household. The enemy is attacking your children. The enemy is attacking the very fabric of the family. And she stood there and she said, I stand in the gap. All I want is their freedom. And the king was so outraged at what Haman had done. He came in from the garden, in from the royal garden. And as he walked into the garden, Haman was throwing himself on the chair that, that Esther was reclining on. And he was begging for his life. And he was begging that she would spare him. And the king looked and he said, will you even molest the queen while she's still in my house? And as he spoke those words, they put something covered Haman's face. And they took him, began to take him away. And some of the servants came to the king and they said, King, there is a pole erected in Haman's yard that Haman was going to kill Mordecai on. You remember Mordecai, the one that ex exposed a plot to kill you? And he exposed the plot and you were spared? See, the enemy will always want to kill those people who have the strength and the power to stand up for truth. And the king said, then impale Haman on it. Impale him on the very thing that was meant to kill God's people. Because God says, I will take the enemy and I will give him the punishment that he is trying to afflict on you. See, he has already defeated the enemy. He has already defeated Satan. And all Satan wants is to take you down with him. But God says, I've already taken care of him. See, I love Psalms 23. It says, because here was Esther and she prepared a banquet for her enemy. And Psalms 23 says, you prepare a table 
before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The battle has been won. It's been defeated. I am free. I am delivered. My family can walk in safety. My family can walk in joy. See, you don't realize that he has already opened up the door to freedom for you. See, Esther stood in the gap. Esther was a shadowing type of Christ who stood in the gap and petitioned the Father and said, these are my, these are my people. Take me. They deserve to die. But I'll be the sacrifice. See, will you be an Esther for this generation? Will you be an Esther for your children? Will you be an Esther in a culture that is so hostile? Will you stand in the gap and say, if I die, I die. See, this is your now. This is your moment. If you want God to use you, if you want to step up into your now, if you want to seize your moment, if you don't want to miss the moment that God has for you, then get out of your seats right now and begin to walk up to this altar.